Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's satirical saunter down the silly streets of yesteryear, throwing shade. If you enjoy the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to tinyearl.com slash E-F-C-T throwing shade, where for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bloopers, rehearsals, and special bonus episodes. And now sit back and relax and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men, a darkness in their hearts, a darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The, the shade knows. Well, look at that. We have fans. Who knew? I'm your number one fan. We love throwing shade. We follow you everywhere. We've listened to every episode 475 times. And we found all the Easter eggs and the hidden messages left there by the writers for the loyal Shadians. Shadians? I thought we went with the Shadeites. I thought it was Theo's throng. I still say we should be vampires! No, Those no, are no, 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 thing! Man, you go to one convention. Uh, may I continue? <laughs> By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go get em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald, but by night he becomes the Shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out on this week's episode, Throwing Shade, Murder Ale Vongole, and in a move that is surprising only to someone who managed to join us just now, we have a new sponsor. It turns out that the Stubbins Firth Home Chemistry Set, while loads of fun for Tiny Tots, was also chock full of dangerous toxins and explosives. And we all know that things like that shouldn't be available to civilians until the age of 18. So, Paraclesius Educational Playthings has shut down operations until it can land a sweet military contract. So, we here at Throwing Shade are happy to welcome the fine folks at the Comitee Nere Preparatory School for Boys, where they'll turn your little terror into a little duke. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since, well, since we could all record in person. Previously on Throwing Shade, Rockwell! And now, on to our story. Act 1, Scene 1. Murder Most Foul. Ponch and John find a cock of the walk's been plucked. It was December of 1938, 
and all around Chicago, people were in a festive mood. <laughs> chalo, chalo, some of us have places to be. But it's snowing. Yes, what an unusual occurrence in a city of the Midwest. Nothing like this has ever happened before. No, please, get out of the way, you... Luckily, elsewhere in the city, good cheer could be found, as two police officers walked their beat. Thanks, Fivish. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Gotta say, Ponch, these dingle cookies sure are swell. You got that right, John. The only things better are their donuts. Mmm, donuts. You know, John, a nice snowy day like this with fresh-baked cookies in your hand, well, it's the kind of day you know absolutely nothing can go wrong. <coughs> Natch. Come on, you had to know that was coming. Ponch and John rushed off in the direction of the scream. Gotta finish the cookies. Don't want to run on an empty stomach. I do not get paid enough for this. Ponch and John, having finally scarfed down their confections, rushed off in the direction of the scream. Arriving at the Poultry in Motion Chicken Factory. It was there they found a crowd of people standing around a figure in the snow. All right, everybody, nothing to worry about. We're here now. What do you mean, we? There's only one of you. What? John? John? John, what's wrong? Ow! I've got stomach cramps. I guess you really do have to wait half an hour before you run. That's swimming. Why would you have to wait half an hour after swimming before you run? Those triathletes are in for a surprise. Pardon me, but can we perhaps get back to the reason I screamed? Yes, right, sorry. Everyone, please move aside. The crowd parted, revealing the prostrate form of a man laying face down on the sidewalk. This doesn't look good. John, check his pulse. Why me? You're already bent over. Oh, right. John knelt down next to the unmoving figure and checked his pulse. He's dead, Ponch. <gasps> Ma'am, were you the one who found the body? Body? What body? That one. The one on the ground. The one my partner... Uh... John, you can get up now. That's what you think. Oh, for crying out. Here, let me help you. <laughs> Walk it off. Now, ma'am, you screamed, so you must have found the body. That wasn't why I screamed. By the time I got here, there was already a crowd. Then why did you scream? Because that woman is running right after Labor Day. <gasps> what? It checks out, Punch. This is an ermine fur coat. It's festive. It's gauche! All right, miss. You'll have to come with us. John, take her in. You have to be kidding. We don't make the laws, miss. We just enforce them. Come along, miss. 
You don't happen to have any Alka-Seltzer in your bag, do you? Thank goodness! I don't know what this world is coming to. It isn't safe to walk the streets anymore. Why, in my day... Ma'am, if you don't mind, I'd like to get back to the dead body in the middle of the sidewalk. Why, I never... Ponch knelt down and rolled the poor unfortunate onto his back. He then noticed two things. First, that the man's face was covered in a rash. And secondly, This guy's a dead ringer for Edward G. Robinson. Literally. Normally I would object to such heavy-handed and unsubtle Foley commentary. But in that case, it was completely deserved. So let's go to the sting. Act 2, Scene 2, Family Feud. The Shade and the Vamp encounter mob mentality. Later that day, at the offices of the Chicago Gazette Times Herald, the rumor mill was operating full tilt. I can see it's gonna be one of those episodes. And responding loudly to the rumors being milled was editor in chief Clarence Clemens. Oh, oh my Anything. I keep getting calls from out-of-town papers asking if the deceased is actually Edward G. Robinson. The deceased is actually Edward G. Robinson? That's... What would Edward G. Robinson be doing outside a chicken factory? As far as we... I heard a slight case of murder did lay a pretty big egg. If you two are finished with what passes for witty repartee between the two of you... Thank you. Now, as I was saying, we don't know if the deceased is Edward G. Robinson, just that he's a dead ringer for Edward G. Robinson. Literally. You know, there are days I regret not firing you. Don't worry, Mr. Clemens. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah, see? We'll find out who walked Mr. Big, see? Yeah, and then we'll spill the beans and he'll end up in stir, see? Yeah. See, all right. Theo, did you hit your head without us noticing? What are you talking about? That was my Edward G. Robinson impression. Another reason I don't like impressionism. I have to admit, that was good. It was an homage. It was more like a cry for help. Two in a row. It kills at parties. Well, now we know what did him in. The hat trick. I never liked you. Listen, you two. I want to scoop all the other papers, so you get the dirt on the body. I think grave digging is a bit outside our remit. Rockwell! We're on it, Mr. Clemens. Let's go, Theo. 
success at the morgue if we're not the ones who show up. Well, it is true that the city coroner isn't the biggest fan of the press, so I guess that means... Ooh, ooh. Can I say it? <sighs> Go ahead. This looks like a job for... The Shade. Come on! Men, so simple. Imagine me getting that worked up just saying this is a job for... The Van. Ooh, that is thrilling. Wait for me! A short time later, in the antiseptic yet considerably macabre environs of the city morgue, Coroner Pierre Entre was finishing his report on the mysterious corpse found outside the poultry-in-motion chicken factory. There, finally, I have finished the report on the mysterious corpse found outside the poultry and motion chicken factory. This is why nobody likes the French. Now, for the most important part of a Frenchman's work day, lunch! But before Pierre could make another move, he heard a sound. Mon dieu! Bastide already? Dr. Entre, I presume. Léa! Dr. Entre! Léa! Léa! Shade. Sorry, I've just always wanted to learn another language. Zutalo. Is this, uh, how you say, uh, estico? What? No, I'm the Shade and this is the Vamp. We're crime fighters. Oh, I see. Shade with all the black ensemble and a Vamp. Oui, I see it. Uh, your look is uh, très reminiscent of Vivian Romance. 
belle tenue. Merci. Il a des pochés. Dr. Entray, we're looking for information about the mysterious corpse found outside the poultry in motion chicken factory. Oh, mais oui, I have just, uh, how you say, uh, completed my report. It is a most interesting case. We understand he's a dead ringer for Edward G. Robinson. Literally. Can you tell us what killed him? Of course not. I have not done the autopsy yet. But you just said you completed your report. Oui. I always finish the report before the autopsy, so the paperwork is done early. Otherwise, I would end up having to stay late. Stay late? It's not even noon. I am French. We take lunch at ten, come back at one, and leave at two. And speaking of lunch... Isn't that the same set of drawers you keep the bodies in? Of course! Excellent refiteration! And no clunky icebox to ruin the decor. Is that a rare roast beef sandwich? Oui, mademoiselle. Normally, my lunch would consist of several delicate and intricate prepared courses. But as a city coroner, I am required to eat foods that are guaranteed to make anyone who visits uncomfortable and vaguely nauseous due to the proximity of dead bodies and the wholeness of the foodstuffs. Pardon. Mm, they made this extra hair today! Juicy! Uh, what can you tell us about the gold dead body? I do know there is not a mark on him. And if it were not for the crush, I could believe he was merely sleeping. Of course, he would have to be dead tired. <laughs> Pardon, as a coroner, I am also required to indulge in gallows humor. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm used to it. The main question, Dr. Andre, is... Is this Edward G. Robinson? Of course not! How do you know? Dental records? Fingerprints? Phrenological comparison? I phoned up Hollywood and asked to speak to Edward G. Robinson. That must have been expensive. Uh, not too very. The taxpayers covered it. Match. Monsieur Robinson is fine. He is presently on the set of a movie wherein he plays an agent of the FBI. Now that is acting. Well... If our mystery man isn't Edward G. Robinson, then who is he? That is très simple, Mademoiselle Vamp. There is only one person in Chicago who is a dead ringer for Edward G. Robinson. Literally. And that is the head of the Gardetti crime family, Enrico Gardetti. <laughs> Thank you.
Act 1, Scene 3. Gardetti Vendetti. Conclusions are jumped to. Meanwhile, across town in the warehouse district. Ah, an oldie but a goodie. Others were gathering to get some answers as well. What's your password? Special Sapata. Gesundheit. What's the password? Swordfish. Come on in. Good to see you again, Mario, Luigi. Why do we employ a doorman who don't speak Italian? Aw, uh, give it a rest, Mario. The only word you know in Italian is swordfish. And Guido here came highly recommended by the Organized Crime Doorman's Union Local 427. Thanks, Luigi. That means a lot. I've been attending a lot of professional enhancement seminars in order to positively synchronize my performance with on-the-job expectations, resulting in an overall increase in beneficial paradigms. That's what I'm talking about. What is all that gobbledygook? All you gotta do is open the door when you hear the word swordfish. You don't gotta synchronize nothing. And why do you want two ten-cent pieces? Oh, I see your confusion. No, paradigms are... I don't care. Guido, why don't you take your break? Sure, Luigi, sure. <laughs> hey, Mario, I hope whatever's bugging you works out. Life is too short to be that stressed. Who you calling short? Thanks, Guido. Now who's going to watch the door? Guido brought on a trainee. Howdy, y'all. I'm Bubba. Really appreciate this here work experience opportunity. This one don't even talk good English. Mario, get over here. Yoink. Look, I know you're upset that Enrico won't let you leave the plumbing supply business, but you can't take it out on the staff. I'm the youngest, so I ain't never going to be head of the family. All I want to do is go drive race cars. Come on, Mario Gardetti. It's a perfect racer name. Hey, you don't got to tell me. Enrico never listens. You know how many years I've been trying to get him to branch out into the snack industry? It's a gold mine and a perfect cover for the family business. Luigi, you're my brother and I love you. But nobody wants to eat rye chips flavored with Worcester sauce. You'll see. Where's Enrico anyway? Guido! Yeah, Mr. Guy Daddy. You seen Enrico? Nope, ain't seen him, Mr. Guy Daddy. Thanks, Guido. Uh, no problem. Oops, I, I gotta run. Uh, Bubba's having trouble with the password. Not catfish, swordfish. Typical. Enrico insists we meet him here, then doesn't show up. He probably just wanted to tell us somebody thought he was Edward G. Robinson again. I swear, sometimes I could just strangle him. Mr. Goddaddy, Mr. Goddaddy! What? what? Our fella just came to the door with some news about your brother. News? What is it? 
information of an urgent nature, but that isn't important right now. What is important is that your brother was found dead earlier today outside the Poultry in Motion chicken factory. Enrico? Dead? Are you sure it wasn't Edward G. Robinson? Nah, our guys have eyes on Eddie G at all times, just in case of this very thing. Oh, poor Enrico. What a loss. Who would do such a thing? He was so well liked. Salt of the earth. My heart, she's breaking. My soul, it is black with grief. Weren't they just saying what an awful guy he was? It's an Italian thing. Come on, let's go get some espresso. This is gonna go on for a while. Luigi, we must avenge Enrico. I agree. But who could have committed such a dastardly act? There's only one family who would dare strike at Enrico in such a foul manner. I'm giving that one a pass, since they're grieving. You're right. It can only be... The, the Tallies. We'll return to throwing shade, murder Ale Vongole, in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, is your son showing signs of independent, critical thinking, consideration of others, and willingness to consider other people's opinions? Then make sure to bundle your burgeoning communist off to the Comicie Nere Preparatory School for Boys, where he will be whipped into shape and learn that strong, autocratic authority and unwavering commitment to one's own beliefs, regardless of their effects on others or facts, are what make a real success. Run by esteemed and so far unindicted educator, Benny Muslin, the Comicie Nere Preparatory School for Boys will ensure that your son comes out strong and behaving like a complete duce. And now, a few words from other important personages. Friends, Eclectic Full Contact Theater is forging ahead with their 11th season bringing you a year of nothing but new works. From readings to festivals celebrating the best new works from around the country and the world, both on stage and over the airwaves, EFCT is bringing fresh new work to audiences everywhere. So go to eclectic-theater.com to find out about all their brand spanking new 11th season and Tell them the shade sent you. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1. Blarney Sandwich. Kitty and Misty deal with a wry situation. While turmoil and tumult swirled about in the seedier parts of Chicago, life was significantly more sedate in the confines of the little man in the boat. Welcome to the little man in the boat. What can I get you? What a nice place. Cozy. Thanks. We like it. Awful lot of pink, though. Brightens up the place. Well, I'm here. 
You certainly are. So, where's my drink? You haven't ordered yet. Listen, doll. Doll? Now, don't get hot. Word on the street is any fellow who shows up here under his own steam, without asking directions, is treated to a free drink. And I ambled my way over here, Toot Sweet. Gotta say, it wasn't all that hard to find. Well, congratulations to you for being able to locate something with adequate lighting and signage. Truly a feat. Sad to say, though, we are no longer running that special. No free drinks? Afraid not, Toots. Toots? Don't get hot. Now, while we don't offer a free drink just for showing up, we do offer a free drink with the purchase of our new expanded lunch or dinner menu. You mean you got something besides peanuts and pretzels? Yep. Our lunch special today is a corned beef sandwich on rye with a drink. Two bits. I don't know. I rarely eat out, especially a place like this. Try it. I think you'll like it. Corned beef, you say? Very juicy. And a free drink. You know what? Let's give it a whirl. I'll take the corned beef and the beer. Here's the beer. Sandwich will be up shortly. Look at me, trying new things, and my wife says I ain't adventurous. I'll bring your sandwich over to you. You rang? Corned beef sandwich for the gentleman, Kitty. Well, glory be! I got to say, I really hadn't expected turning this place into a full-service bar would end up being so popular, especially with the lads. It's not too tough to cajole them into giving it a try. Especially not with tying a free drink to it. Simple, positive reinforcement. You're a genius, Misty, that's what you are. I'm so glad you're my business partner. I must admit, I didn't think it was going to enjoy helping to run this place, but it grows on you. I'm proud of the life we've made since we were released. Aye, it's true, they say. Prison does make for strange bedfellows. You can say that again. Prison does make for... I didn't mean literally. What can I say? I'm in a fine mood. What could possibly go wrong? Kitty! Da? In the flesh. Ah, sure ain't your sight for sore eyes, ain't she, boys? Aye, that she is, Da. Absolutely. Cause you better hard of her, power. I agree, Porksword. It is a lot of pink. Brightens up the place. Ah, Miss LeBlanc, how nice to see you again. Glad to see you don't hold a grudge about the unfortunate kidnapping incident. Had I known you were a fellow criminal mastermind, I never would have made such a blunder. Oh, no apologies necessary. I realize it was just business. Best to let bygones be bygones. Hello, Big Willie. Hello, Miss LeBlanc. Is it me, or have you gotten taller? Nah, he just stands straight around pretty women. I'm flattered. Misty? What? Short of a heart of a heart of a harbor. To, to save on expenses. All right, that's enough of that. This is a happy family reunion, Park Sword, so you keep a civil tongue in your head. I heard that. I didn't understand it, but I heard it. Duh, not that I ain't glad to see you, but why are you here? 
I thought you all had three more years on your stretch for racketeering and mob-like activities. And where's Richard? Ah, that's a sad tale, me dear. Your brother Richard is gone. Gone? You mean he... Aye, he emigrated back to Ireland. Wait a minute. You mean somebody actually went back to Ireland? We couldn't believe it either. But see, he started reading in prison. And that, Peter, is why I'm against education. Thankfully, none of the other boys fell into that trap. That's for sure. What could he have read that made him want to go back? Well, we had thought he had started studying arts and crafts. Turns out, he was actually reading about arts and crafts. So what did that wool-headed nitwit do? Busts out a stir and hops a freight or bound for errands oil. Idiot. But don't you all constantly sing about wanting to go back? Aye. That's what we do instead of going back. Pork sword, be nice. It ain't her fault. She's American. They ain't got no culture of their own. Wait, did you all bust out of prison? Oh, not at all, at all. We was released last week on account of good behaviour. We were model prisoners. You were model prisoners? Aye, and we got some pictures to prove it. Well, what do you know? I didn't know prisons put out promotion of liars. Charge your part of part of my dark cover, girl. Well, you've got the legs for it. You all have been out for a week. Why didn't you tell me? I wanted it to be a surprise. Besides, I had some business I needed to take care of first. Business? Aye, to get the family operations up and running again. It's been too long since the tellies were on top. Yes, Pork Sword. We all know how much you want to take over city planning. City planning? Pork Sword really hates traffic. Duh, I love you and all, but I can't get mixed up in any more of your schemes. Misty and I have gone straight. <laughs> oh, go on, pull the other one. You two, go on straight. <laughs> Don't make us laugh. <laughs> now that was a bridge too far, Pork Sword. We have a bridge? Peter, would you? You're closer. Sure, Da. Oh! I'm serious, Da. Misty and I are just trying to keep our heads down and get on with our lives. Besides, we already have enough trouble with the law assuming we're behind every crime in the city without you pulling us into whatever harebrained scheme you've cooked up. Oh, Kitty, your girl there gives quite the tongue lashing, doesn't she? You have no idea. Listen, Da, I'm glad you're all free men again, but Misty's right. I can't be getting involved with a life of crime. Life of crime? Who said anything about a life of crime? Did I say anything about a life of crime? Sure, but you said no such thing, Da. Such words never passed your lips, Da. Heart of a heart of a horror. So you're all going straight as well? Oh, perish the thought. Nah, we're getting involved in the plumbing supply industry. It's completely legitimate. And completely corrupt. Heart of a heart of a horror. Yes, Pork Sword, we all know the potholes in this city are a disgrace. But even we ain't crooked enough for city government. Well, I'm glad you're not going back into organized crime, but Misty and I really aren't into plumbing. I completely understand, my dear. All I ask is that you keep our presence in the city quiet for now. Things are at a very delicate stage. 
It's a bit of a hostile takeover, you might say. Aye, and we don't want to upset the apple cart. We have apples? Park sword, would you? My hand's sore. Heart of a hard Oh! Don't worry, da. We won't let the cat out of the bag. We have a... Thanks, Misty. My pleasure. Why'd Big Willie's posture improve? Come on, boys. There's still lots to do. But soon the tallies will be laid pipe all across this fine city. You know... I had really hoped we would have been done with the plumbing ponds last episode. Act 2, Scene 2. Italians on ice. The Shade and the Vamp practice diplomacy. Back in the warehouse district, Mario and Luigi were preparing to pay a visit to the Irish side of town. However, perched atop the roof of the building and peering through the skylight were the Shade and the Vamp. Can you see anything? Not a thing. The skylight is filthy. You know, used to be criminals took pride in their hideouts. It's the depression dragging on, Shade. There are so many abandoned buildings here in the warehouse district. Ah! The Shade, startled by the callback to an earlier episode, lost his balance and... (laughs) ...fell through the skylight. I'm all right. I'm all right. Luckily, these crates of rubber washers broke my fall. The sudden appearance of the Shade surprised the Gardettis. The Shade! Taking their attention away from the vamp, dropping to the floor behind them, having used a Shade rope. I hate to admit it, but they are useful. Hello, boys! The vamp! Oh, my neck! I'm too old to be spinning around like that. What are you two doing here? We ain't done nothing illegal. Well, not today. We're here about the death of your brother, Enrico. You think we did it? No. Not until right now. We were wondering if you knew of anyone who would want your brother out of the way. You're kidding, right? Look, we already know who's responsible, and we're off to discuss the matter with them. You seem awfully heavily armed for just a chat. These help us get our point across. Emphatically. And just who are you going to have this emphatic chat with? That's for us to know, and you to find out. That's what we're doing. You are? Yeah. We ask the questions because you know, and then you tell us. So we've found out. Simple logic, really. Hold on a minute. All right, you win. We can't wriggle out of this cast-iron reasoning. Good. So, who do you think did it? The tallies. The tallies? That's not possible. The tallies are in jail. Not all of them. Kitty's been out for months. But why would Kitty Tally want to get rid of Enrico? The tallies have always wanted to take over our criminal... I mean... Plumbing Empire. And it's well known that the Tallies own Poultry in Motion Chicken Factory. Yeah, it was a front for the underground turtle racing business. 
Underground turtle racing? How did that go? Slowly, I would assume. Quiet, you. Mm. So we have all the proof we need. Kitty Tally is gonna pay. Hold on there, Gardettis. You can't just go taking the law into your own hands. Exactly. Say the vigilantes. Well, yes, but that's different. Different how? We have masks. Look, nobody wants a gang war. I'm all right with it. Yeah, that was kind of our idea. All right. You don't want the law coming around and investigating you and your family businesses too closely, do you? Well... Well? Which is exactly what would happen if you start slinging lead at Kitty Tally. Think of all the business you'd lose while you wait for the heat to die down. Do you want that? I, I guess, guess not. All right, then. You let us look into this. We'll bring whoever is responsible to justice. You have our word. I'm going to trust you, but you better find out who's responsible by tomorrow night. Otherwise, Luigi and I are going to take care of it. That's right. And you don't want the wrath of two plumbing brothers coming down on your head. Believe me. All right, it's a deal. You cool your heels and we'll find the culprit by tomorrow night. But if you don't... It's gonna be a Gardetti Vendetti. Where have I heard that before? What's wrong with you? It's Vendetta, not Vendetti. It's more intimidating when it rhymes. Great. Now we only have a little over 24 hours to find out who's responsible for the death of Enrico Gardetti. At least now we have a place to start. You really think Kitty Tally could be behind this? Who knows? Anything's possible, especially since she joined up with Misty LeBlanc. Well, come on. Off to the little man in the boat. You seem pretty eager to go there. What? It's a nice place. Cozy. Come on. I don't know. Always seemed fishy to me. Will the shade and the vamp beat the clock? Is Misty LeBlanc up to her old tricks? Pick a card, any card. Is Edward G. Robinson really safe? Yes, he. These and other questions will be summarily ignored on next week's thrilling conclusion to Throwing Shade, Murder Alley Vongole. Here's a sneak peek. This has been Throwing Shade, brought to you by the Comigie Nere Preparatory School for Boys. Throwing Shade has also been brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast, or leave a review. Created by Andrew Pond and Sarah Siegel. Written by Andrew Pond with Zach Osterman. Directed by Andrew Pond. Starring the voice talents of Chloe Adamo, Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Noelle Kleiss, Zach Osterman. Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, and Monica Safflick. Our Foley artist was Lori Iyer. Our engineer was Daniel Houle. And I am your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. 
Special thanks to Tina Salamone! Tune in next week. Same Shade Time, Same Shade Station!